This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to uh, Talking Devils. Uh, this is your One the Lot pod. Um, I'm back with Talking Devils, your largest uh, independent um, Manchester United podcast. Um, I'm Harry from uh, Fan Owned United. Uh, again, joined this week uh, with Steve and Peter. Um, just to give you guys a bit of background about us again. Um, I have a season ticket in Stratford End. I've done so uh, over 10 years. Um, Peter is a, is a matchgoer, lifelong United fan and football author. Uh, and Steve, uh, again, lifelong fan and has had a season ticket at Old Trafford for more than 25 years. Um, if you are joining us today live on YouTube, thank you very much. Um, please do join in with any questions you may have in the comments and um, they're always encouraged and um, if you're following us on any podcast um, after uh, today's uh, today's gone out live um, do leave any comments and uh, we will obviously um, get back to you in the next pod um so yeah lots to uh, to cover off today gents um a very very interesting week coming up with obviously the FA Cup final. Um, the Premier League season has come to an end and lots of other kind of comments have come up um, from Ten Hag especially uh, and a few other outlets. But um, what we'll do is, is we'll start off with um, you know, a brief review of, of the games this week. Obviously, first and foremost, fantastic news. We've qualified for for the Champions League, um, as we mentioned last week, we just needed that point, but ended up uh, winning both of the last two games of the season, um, which I think Ten Hag was going for because um, he wanted to match the the home record of the amount of uh, home wins in a season, which uh, which we managed to get. Um, so, uh, so yeah, Steve, we'll start with you this week. Um, what were your thoughts uh, overall of the last two games? Hi. Um, yeah, I think the, the the Chelsea game, it was a funny one. It was a funny one. I think um, we obviously scored four goals, um, which is uh, quite rare these days for us to get more than one or two goals, which, uh, yeah, really nice. Um, but again, the XG was actually 
5.31. So um, we quite drastically underperformed it once again. Um, obviously, the amount of chances that we had, um, Kepa made some great saves, uh, especially from uh, from Garnacho, notably at the end, where he kind of saved it with his leg uh, and went over. But I think it was, um, and, and I've seen this uh, this opinion quite a lot um, on social media, that it seemed to be a bit of a like testimonial-esque kind of game. Um where it was pretty much over for both for both teams. Uh, obviously, Chelsea are just kind of limping uh, over the, the line at the end of the season. We only only needed a point, and uh, and once I think it went to uh, two 0 up, then I think all intensity stopped. Um, I think our players are kind of trying to save themselves for the uh, for the cup final, and kind of not going to tackles. There was less intensity. Um, you just think earlier in that season. If, if it was Liverpool playing Chelsea, they would have scored eight goals, something like that. Yeah. So I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't really go and score five or six because I really think we could have. Um, with the Fulham game, I think we started quite slowly. The, uh, the, the, the penalty save really changed the game and then we kind of kicked into gear and then um, two two decent goals, uh, a really nice ball from Fred for, for the Bruno goal. But... Uh, got quite lucky for the first goal, I think, as well. But um, yeah, overall, very convincing and uh, fully deserved. Yeah, yeah, and a, a very rare um, David De Gea penalty save. Um, hopefully, will give him a bit of confidence. If um, the FA Cup final goes to penalties, uh, who knows? Um, so yeah, that was a, a bit of a plus. Um, how about yourself, uh, Peter? What were your thoughts and uh, any any kind of standout performance for you? Uh, over those last two games? Uh, kind of just echoing what Stephen was saying there. I did have the real testimonial end-of-season game. Uh, we got lucky, in a sense, our last few games. Like we mentioned, the fact that teams had nothing really to play for. And like Steve was saying, like the Chelsea players just want the season to end and just be forgotten about for good. And half of them are leaving anyway. And Fulham, maybe, like there was a feeling that Fulham might have revenge on their mind. I think Ten Hag mentioned that as well. So it was kind of funny, in a sense, but like Mitrovic would have loved... Like ran it down the United fans' throats and missed the penalty. Like it was his fourth miss of the season, which is a Premier League record. So it's almost like De Gea. It's funny that like De Gea made the save against the guy who missed the most, but it was De Gea's first save. I saw on Twitter it was his first save in nine years at Old Trafford from the penalty, oh, wow. which is insane. And I think I the only the last one I can remember him saving was from Lukaku in the FA Cup semi final. But uh, it was good for him. Uh, didn't do great for the first goal. Didn't get off his line, hence Maguire had to head it out. But um, yeah, the Fulham game was on the season. Huge way to talk about. Uh, thought Sancho played well and got a nice goal. And as Steve said, like Fred, uh, like not exactly a Fred pass showing off that he actually is a Brazilian with that through ball. And then Chelsea, yeah, it was our first time we scored four in the four goals in the league this season, which was a uh, nice to mark off and a nice bit of close out and get Champions League in a bit of style. But it didn't feel like a 4-1. Like, we didn't play that well. It was just Chelsea are so bad. And they did miss a lot of... We gave them a lot of chances, especially in the first half, which was kind of worrying. Uh, so I wouldn't read... It's obviously good that we're going to the cup final off four wins in a row. And we like we closed out, got third place, which is important. But uh, kind of hard to read into those games because the intensity just won't be anything near that a cup final will be. But uh, good to get through them and kind of... Bar Anthony, who might be back, but we got through, especially the Fulham game. I was worried when I saw the lineup that uh, so like, oh, Casemiro or Rashford, one of them's getting injured, or Casemiro's getting another red card. So 
Uh, yeah, nice way to finish the league season. Yeah, yeah, I was um, quite surprised as well, to be honest, with a few of those um, picks from uh, from Ten Hag uh, on Sunday. I thought maybe he would have rested a few, but like I said, at the same time, I think he was really gunning for that record. Um, I think maybe just to lay down a mark, you know, to, to be like, this is my first season, um, got Champions League, got the record home wins, uh, got the Carabao Cup and an FA Cup final. Um, and that's why he went for it. And that's kind of been the been the really um the feel from him throughout the season. He's it's not really rested players. Like uh, another game that comes to mind was Reading in the FA Cup. Like when we were playing relentless games, he would um pretty much you know not rotate too much. Um but yeah I mean I mean I think you guys summarized it well. I mean I to be quite frank, uh, I don't think we actually played very well against uh, Chelsea, to be honest. I mean, that that Mudrick chance that he had, I mean, they were slicing through us, you know, pr- pretty easily and created some pretty clear-cut chances. I mean, I, I don't know what's happening with it, with that guy, £90 million pounds or whatever it was, you know. I mean, makes uh, all of our players look like absolute bargain. Um, at the same time, they also had one, I think, ahead of, with Pulisic, if I'm Havertz, yeah. yeah. sorry, Havertz, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, I think four two really flattered us, to to be frank. And and yesterday was a better performance. Um, I would say again, like you guys mentioned, Sancho, really glad that his uh, performance yesterday, or sorry, on Sunday was better because we're going to really need him, obviously, now for for the cup final. Um, which is uh, what we'll be moving on to next. A nice little uh, way to, to get into this segment. So uh, so obviously, FA Cup final looms this Saturday. Uh, the first ever Manchester derby for the FA Cup final. Um, being made, There's a bit of fuss around it. I think the FA Cup, the, I saw on Twitter, has already been etched in with uh, Manchester. <laughs> they like to make, you know, any kind of extra little whatever fanfare, a bit of extra fuss. So it's uh, it's been etched in, just uh, the second part awaits. Um, I personally, you know, being the realist that I am, I think um, it's going to be pretty difficult to, to win on, uh, on Saturday. Um, what I was really happy with, though, um, was that little rallying cry uh, that Ten Hag kind of put in. Um, I'm really, you know, really kind of um, keen on all these little traditions, you know, like uh, Fergie used to do that address, you know, the last game of the season, Ten Hag looks like he's carrying it on. And, um, and yeah, put in that little rallying cry for, for all the fans to get behind the boys and they'll do whatever they possibly can to, to win the cup final. But um, if I was a betting man, I would say, you know, if City are at their top level, they're going to be pretty difficult to beat. Um, and me personally, I haven't really seen a performance in a while where I thought, wow, you know, we're, we're kind of above and beyond and we've been outstanding, which is a bit of a double-edged sword because, you know, it's good to be winning when you're not playing great either we've ground out a few results recently but we're going to have to be um yeah we're going to have to give a proper um special performance i think to beat them so um 
so yeah, we'll start again with you, Steve. I mean, what, what do you think of the the chances we've got to to win on Saturday? Um, I am more. I'm, I'm less optimistic than normal. Um, I if if someone said to you right now, get to a penalty shootout, I'd take it all day, all day. Um, I think yeah, City have just been absolutely relentless in this last uh, in in the kind of closing stages of the season in in all competitions. Um, they've got the squad to to deal with the build up of games. None of the players are really getting injured. I, I know they've they've had a couple of tiny little tweaks in the last couple of games, but they've not had any proper injuries this season. Every single one of their players are, are playing as if they're in their prime. They've adapted uh, game by game. You know they can pick a different lineup every single game. Um, they just have that kind of depth, and um, it's it's showed. You know they've they've managed to really keep up the the kind of fifth or sixth gear in the second half of the season. Every single game doesn't matter if it's against um, you know Leeds or, or Southampton or Real Madrid. You know they they've absolutely spanked Real Madrid four 0 and we we can we're going to come up against them and uh, hopefully do a bit of a job but yeah I, i'm i'm not very optimistic but as i say i think we can we can we can always surprise someone yeah yeah um i've managed to to get a ticket uh, one of the lucky ones um so i'll be going down on saturday and um, i saw a tweet uh, from gary neville and i think that's kind of where i'm at at the moment he, I think he said he bought a ticket as well. I don't know if that's true or not. But he said, uh, bought a ticket, going to Wembley on Saturday, um, 95% chance we're going to lose, but I'm there for the 5% chance that we might win. And, um, and it's, you know, I kind of feel the same. Um, but how about you, Peter? I guess, um, what are your thoughts on Saturday? Not only about our chances, but how do you think uh, Ten Hag might uh, set up our team and, and what strategy you might have to to try and get that win? Yeah, and, uh, well, no, I often agree with Gary Neville these days, but I think five percent is pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> like you're saying, it feels like we're kind of limping into it, and City are like, it feels like City are in mid-season. Like they kind of just took, they were just kind of chilling until the run-in, and now they just really got going. So uh, it'll be difficult for us, obviously. But I'm more like, we're, we still are like a big team and a big club. We came third, we won a Carabao Cup. It shouldn't be going there and losing 4 0. Like it is a cup final sale. It is a derby. Uh it is at a neutral venue. So there's no real excuse to go there and let like, just roll over for City. Uh although I do have the fear of like because we've lost games about this season that like the repeat of the 2019 FA Cup final when they beat Watford 5 0 and it was all over pretty quickly. Uh I just think we really we're like hope like you've got Varane and Casemiro there. That's kind of like where all my hope lies. Being like these guys know how to play finals. They do step up. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to know, especially with the like, it's hard to predict what you're going to get with this team. Still, you don't have the trust to show up in the final, so uh, I don't know exactly what will happen, but it feels like the city will win. Uh, and just on like the tactical setup side of things, I think most of the team picks itself based off injuries as much as anything. Uh, obviously, Taylor will go on goals. I'd imagine Wambasaka starts. You know, got rested against Fulham, and you'd rather Wan-Bissaka just from the defensive side of things going against Grealish, who I think, I think like if Wan-Bissaka's on it, he can handle Jack Grealish. Hopefully, um, for Anne Lindelof Shaw, I'd play Fred in midfield just for I can see Ericsson getting overrun. The fact the way City play with Rodri and 
and um, John Stone sitting now and the like Gundogan, De Bruyne, Grealish and uh, Bernardo Silva all kind of roaming in the middle. I just don't think Ericsson can keep up with that. So you kind of want someone in there who just like will just get around the pitch. And mm. Do you yeah. think since his injury as well, Ericsson's not really oh he's an off ends up. He's he's you know fallen off a bit. I yeah. just think as well, like the Wembley pitch is huge and like it just doesn't suit him. I think Fred started when we beat him in uh, January as well. So yeah. it probably makes sense to play Fred. Um, and I was thinking maybe would you have Fred Erickson in midfield, put Bruno out right, but then you come on Bruno in the middle anyway. Uh, and the front three, like it's the only three attackers we have basically, because you won't start Carnacho, just yeah, I just it won't happen. Um, which is kind of annoying because you're Kind of like, yeah, it'd be great if you bring Granacho on with say 25 minutes to go, but there's no point in bringing it like we could be 3 0 down by then. You never know. So, uh, mm. it's I don't know how exactly we set up because if you press City, they're just going to ping it around you and just push it in. Like, you've got Haaland running, but if you sit back, you've got De Bruyne, you've got De Bruyne, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva just like pinging balls for Haaland, they will find a way. So, uh, they don't really have like a weakness. I think it's we have a puncher's chance. And yeah. uh, it's really on Tanag and he just pulls him out of the bag, really. But uh, yeah. I just don't yeah. think it's it's more a matter of like give them a game. Like don't be go. It's still a cup final. Like you got to turn up. Give I, think I think he's going to play Bruno on the right. Really? Um, yeah, I, I just I just think with Sancho, I, I don't think he's got the fight in him to uh, to to play in that kind of game. Um, it seems, you know, if if Sancho comes up against any sort of physicality or, or intensity or anything like that, he kind of falls off. So, you know, for, for me, I'd be having Bruno in the middle with, uh, uh, sorry, on the right. And if it's actually me, I'd actually have McTominay um, and Ericsson, uh, sorry, uh, McTominay, Fred and Casemiro, just for mm. some, you know, and just some legs to get about and, and hassle and hurry and, I know they're not the most technically astute players, but if you've got, for example, um, you know Rashford and, and Martial up top and kind of keep them up top with Bruno coming back and helping out, then I think there's there's a much more of a chance. But you know that's that's just me, and I don't know as much as Ten Hag. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, I think that would have been a shout if McTominay would have had a bit more game time yeah. recently, um, because, like you said, you know those three could cover cover a lot on the pitch, you know, press in the middle. Um, but, yeah, I just think because he, he hasn't had that kind of, you know, he's not really much shot or to start, I don't think he'll go McTominay. Um, I'll be honest, I, I honestly don't know how he'll go with the front three. I think there's a, a possibility of him sticking with Rashford, Martial and Sancho on the right. I think that might be most likely. Um I don't know, Steve. I just think Bruno is just a little bit more influential in the middle sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. Kind of, he pulls the strings a little bit more. Um, I think the only thing I, with Bruno is his discipline defensively just isn't there. Um, yeah. Maybe on the right when he when he can actually just come come and track back and everything. And he, he does do the work. But in the middle, he goes wandering a lot. And yeah. against City, they, they play four centre mids, don't they? They play the two defensive midfielders. And then the two attacking midfielders with the winger on the striker. And it's just, you know, even with a, a, a normal three engine midfield, you're still not going to be able to keep up with four four midfielders. So <laughs> Bruno really needs to either step up and, and be really disciplined defensively through the, through the middle or be put on the right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I agree on the Ganacho point that you mentioned here. I don't think he'll start him. 
Um, sure, do you know when he signed his contract as well? When Ganacho signed his contract, he did say, you know, obviously he's great talent, etc. But he just needs to learn on his decision making. He needs to uh, improve on his um, kind of tracking back and his defensive kind of decision making. That in itself is kind of a big giveaway. I think you know he he doesn't not trust him, but I guess yeah, you could say he doesn't trust him to to you know track back and and you know be astute enough to start an FA Cup final. I personally think the plan the plan Ten Hag is going to put in place is like look guys, um, try and stay in the game with half an hour to go. Simple as even if we're one 0 down, don't panic. Just stay in the game. Mm-hmm. You know we can't you know, have a repeat of how we were at City away or, you know, even worse, Liverpool away, where we just, you know, absolutely got overran and, and we couldn't get back in the game. Um, but if we're one behind, even two behind maybe, um, stay in the game to half an hour to go, he'll bring on Ganacho and then we'll go, go, you know, a little bit more hell for leather and and see how it, uh, you know, pans out from there. But... But yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, the atmosphere hopefully will be lively. Um, like I said, Manchester derby. Um, don't know how everyone's going to make it down with the train strikes, but I'm sure it will be packed out. Um, and like you said, Peter, neutral venue. You know, the, anything can happen. I mean, if, if we're going to beat them in in a in a competition, those are one. Those are one of the the kind of games where, like I said, anything can happen, right? In a cup final, you know, maybe they'll be feeling a bit more of the pressure as well, you know, with the fact that the treble's on the line and they're going to want to be able to kind of replicate that. Um, so so who knows? We have slightly less to lose maybe. Um, but obviously, I think if they play at 100% and even where at 100%, um, based on how they've been playing over the last kind of three to four months, um, that there's only going to be one winner. So yeah, let's hope uh, let's hope these boys do a job. And obviously, next week we'll, we'll go over all of the the cup final um, points in great detail. I'm sure there's going to be lots to to talk about. But um, yeah, where, where are you boys catching the final? I've uh, somewhere in London. I don't know where exactly, but. It's you know it's too expensive to get a ticket I think at this point, but uh in the torch is where the United fans go beforehand, so might head out that way. And uh yeah, yeah, I think you're gonna need to get there early, mate. Last time oh, I, God, yes. I, just, I just bypassed the torch now because like they're literally there from I think like nine, ten in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be uh yeah, it'll be manic anyway. But yeah, like you said, the neutral venue thing, like there will by the side, like City had that weren't selling their tickets fully out until a week or two ago. I don't even know if they sold them out. I just think there'll be more United fans there in general. And even like mm, in the neutral stands, mm. um, you would think. Uh, and it means more. I'm, like, no, like, well, actually, a lot of fans, City fans, fan base isn't exactly intimidating. So I think United fans, it should be like, yeah, we're playing for like a lot of history and holding on to the treble. But I think the fans will really bring the noise. Let's hope so. How about you, Steve? Where, where are you catching it? Uh, I'm watching it in Manchester. Yeah, I'll be going to uh, to one of the local beer houses. Um, unfortunately, there's going to be two of two of our mates who are going with our city fans. So, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be one of those, and and one of them isn't the best of winners. So, um, yeah, I think if uh, <laughs> I might have to sit on a, on a, the opposite side of the table to him, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, 
yeah, it's it's just going to be a bit of a mad one. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see indeed. Um, so yeah, that uh, moving on then, another point I wanted to, to cover off is um, Ten Hag had a uh, interview uh, over the weekend with the Times, and um, there were some quite interesting comments um, that were that were pulled out of that interview. It was a sit down, and it seemed like you know for the first time in a while, Ten Hag kind of let his guard down. Um, and there were a few, few um, kind of messages in there which were, uh, let's say, not as straightforward as normal as is, is a standard shutdown um, kind of answers that he usually gives. Um, first and foremost, uh, he made a few comments on De Gea. Um, I took a snippet out of the interview and um, basically they, he was asked about playing out from, from the back and how important that was to him specifically. Uh, and he said that uh, it's not what I want. Um, it's more uh, what top football de demands nowadays. If you observe the biggest teams, you have to be capable of playing from the back and use your keeper as a plus one. Otherwise, it's very simple uh, for opponents to put you under pressure. Um, he did say um, he, I mean, De Gea, um, had to step step up and he showed progression in a number of games. Um, it was then asked if um, De Gea would stay next season. Um, he said, yes, uh, I will not say. However, he'll always stay as my number one um, because in a club like United, there must be competition in all positions. So uh, as I said, uh, Slightly difficult to read between the lines. Um, what would you make of that, Peter? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that he wants an, um, another keeper coming in. Uh, like we said before, I just don't see the point of uh, if a keeper that does not suit your style, ha his contract is out, what is the point of giving him a new one? But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's like everything he said in that interview, there's a lot of like pointed remarks of like, yeah, we need investments. So I think... I don't think we're going to be. I don't think we're spending big on the keeper this summer as stands. But if we can get someone like guys you mentioned before, like I'd have Kader Navas and Heartbeat. So uh, yeah, he must want someone. But uh, oh, unless he's like, yeah, he did like De Gea is not my guarantee number one. Meaning that like she's giving like Jack Butland and Heaton like they oh, they've got their his competition. But uh, yeah, it'll be. I I think we're getting a new keeper. But who knows yeah. who it is? Your choice if if you were the man who had the checkbook. Who would you go after? I'd go uh, like just David Rea from uh, Brentford. I'd say cost thirty million probably year in his deal. He's already confirmed leaving, uh, so that makes sense. And he's played in England basically his entire career, so it just seems like an easy transition. Uh, and I just don't think even if we get to bought out, even if they're taken over by then, I just don't think we have the money, or we just don't have the money to be putting like sixty million on a keeper. So we've kind of have to be. A bit prudent and try and find some uh, value in the market. So I go Raya, yeah, yeah. How about you, Steve? What, what did you think of um, that? You know, those comments in particular from from the hair. Uh, yeah, I think I think Peter said said it all. Really, um, there's a lot of um, kind of double meaning behind a lot of what he's been saying. In that we need to spend money, and he's it's not even double meaning. A lot of the time, he has just said we need investment, we need better players if we want to compete and step up. So, um, 
everybody knows, even De Gea knows that he's he's not got long left at United. Hopefully, if um, if he lasts this summer, then it'll be next summer he's replaced. So, I think yeah, with uh, with that, if our if a large chunk of our budget is going to go on to more essential positions, i.e., striker, central midfield, maybe a little bit more attacking depth. I think he's got one more one more year left. Um, yeah, with with me and and the and the keeper for 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 me, Raya. I think he's a he's still a little bit small. Um, I know he's <laughs> I done it. Say, I saw a tweet of yours a little while ago. Yeah, he's wow. he's done it in the Premier League, and he's 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 played well, and he's he's a great shot stopper. He's you know, but so is so is De Gea. He's he's good at his one on ones, um, but Raya, he's he's actually shorter than De Gea. Um, similar kind of build. He might be a little bit stockier, but. If if we want someone, we want someone like like Nick Pope. You know, just a big brute of a guy, six foot four, six foot three, who can just come and dominate a, a penalty area. Um, obviously, stats don't tell the whole story, but I think that uh, Diego Costa in uh, in in Portugal for, for Porto has been having a, having a great season um, in terms of his. Uh, he's, he's kind of in the top percentile for a lot of um, essential goalkeeping stats for the top five leagues, um, and I think. Uh, I've seen some reports today um, in, in the Portuguese media through Twitter. I'm, I don't troll the Portuguese media, um, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've seen that he's he may may very well have played his last game for for Porto. So yeah. you know, I know Chelsea are looking for a keeper, and if if someone like that, you know, 22, 23 years old, already number one choice for his national team, had off the back of a great season, is is going to leave his club potentially for 60 million or something like that. If we can get 30 for for Henderson, then it's only a you know net 30 mil outlay for a keeper who could very well be our, our keeper for the next 10 years. So yeah, David Raya is is an option and a cheaper option. But if we have the budget, then I'd potentially try and stretch for for someone who's got a little bit more longevity and and a bit more of a frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I'm also a really big fan of, of David Rea. Um, only because my my parents live not too far from um Brentford's ground. So I go and watch them as well now and then. Um and I've never really watched a game where one thing I've noticed about Ray, I've never actually seen him make like a howler. Like as in you you've you know, like yeah, like a standard the hair. <laughs> that he made at Brentford, you know, or something like that. Um, and I know you mentioned his height, but again, again, it might be difficult to judge because Brentford have very big centre-backs as well, Pontus Janssen, Ben Mee. Mm-hmm. Um, but from corners and situations like that, it doesn't seem that he, he, you know, isn't in command as such, you know, seems to be quite safe. Um, obviously, displaced, displaced De Gea in the Spain squad um, and his distribution is really good. Um, obviously, a lot is said about Costa as well as how good he is. I'll be honest, I don't really watch much of Porto, so I, I can't really tell. Um, the only thing, like uh, I guess Peter mentioned, is we might be able to get him on for a slightly cheaper price. So I mean, yeah. he, as he has outlined, um, and I think Thomas Frank even said again yesterday, he said, um, if we've got one player to sell... Um, the only one is is Raya, really, because he's been quite open about it. He's, you know, rejected two contracts. He wants to move on. 
He's only 27, so I know you mentioned about longevity. So, you know, I mean, he could easily play to like 35, 36. So he's yep. got good years in him. So I think both are both are good options. Just depends um, how much, I guess, the club want to spend on a goalkeeper. I think uh, the positions being priorities like, you know, striker, etc. Well, so, sorry, just on the height thing and the size thing, I don't think that's really like De Gea's issue. It's more just like his own like determination to get out of his box. And he's yeah. not, he just is a bit of a coward when it comes to claiming balls and getting in front of defenders and that sort of thing. So I think it's more of a mentality thing than anything. He got knocked over by Pulisic, didn't he, in the Chelsea game? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got absolutely bullied by him. He's about five foot nine. De Gea, De Gea plays for fouls, where, like Harry was saying, like Brentford do, like he's come up through like the championship and so on. Like he's played against like big brute strikers and teams and just launched the ball the whole time. He was at Blackburn before, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's mm -hmm. uh, he's a proper northerner in a sense. Like, so uh, I think, yeah, it isn't really like the size thing, it's more like, do you have it in you to get out of your box, get off the line? Like, De Gea. It's glued to his line the whole time. So uh, I, I just, anyone would be an upgrade for me personally at this point. Yeah. 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 Um, another another player he referenced was uh, was Maguire in, in his interview. Um, he obviously was asked about, you know, where his future is and, and the lack of game time. Um, and he answered, he said that uh, Maguire trains really well, always at the best level, 100%. Um, so he said he handles that situation well and uh, in a manner, uh, you know, as a captain would. And he's an important figure in the squad in terms of his uh, captaincy. Um, he said, let's say uh, I'm happy that he's here and we need him um, with the job he does. But he said, but it's also a decision that he has to make um, when it comes to his future. So again, like on the hair, um, couple of mixed mixed messages there. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll start with you, Steve. What what do you think? Um, you know, is the true meaning behind those comments, and and where do you think Maguire's future lies? I think uh, not at United. Um, I think a captain needs to play. Um, you know, he's made sixteen appearances in the league this season, I think, and that's just not enough for a captain of a Premier League club. Um, yeah, his his future lies elsewhere. He he can't really be relied upon too much. Um, it's almost become a bit of a joke now, unfortunately, and it's it's obviously not nice to see. But for for that amount of money, um, hopefully we can we can recoup some some of it. You know, I think if we can get anywhere close to thirty five or thirty million pound this summer, then I'd take it. Um, he he made a mistake in the Fulham game, leading to the to the penalty. He gave the gave the ball away really cheaply, um, and they just went and, and countered and and won the penalty. Um, so he's he's just not at the United standard. He might train really well. He might be reliable in in his kind of fitness, and he has had a couple of injuries this season. But um, he he does tend to show up when when we need him, but not to the standard that we do need him. Um, especially when he when he costs us goals and costs us games, you know that that mistake in the severe game, notably. Um, so I think yeah, it's best for all parties if we can get something done quickly, get a bit of money, and uh, and hopefully he can he can fit into a, a really decent club as uh, as as a solid player for them and get the, the appearances that he deserves really. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it kind of goes without saying, it's, uh, sometimes, you know, you can just look at Ten Hag's team selection when he was playing Luke Shaw uh, ahead of Maguire, you know, left back ahead of a centre-back. And to be fair, uh, Shaw did um, a bit of a better job in most instances um, where, when he was playing. So, so yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't think uh, Maguire's uh, kind of a long-term um, player at the club and and hopefully, you know, again, for him, for his sake as well, for him to play regular football, he gets moved on in, in the summer. Um, how much do you think we could uh, get for him, Peter? Do you think there's a, what kind of fair price we could get in the market to add to the transfer kitty and war chest? Uh, I think Steve said it, uh, 30 to 35. I think just you slash someone's hand off for that. A point, just get the wages off, get certain it's just an awkward situation having the club captain being fifth choice center back and the fact he costs 85 million so uh we're obviously not recouping anywhere near that but maybe at a push 40 because he plays for england and the british tax and so on uh but yeah i think it's it's been clear for a long time that hey that uh, sorry that mcguire will be leaving in the summer and to be fair to ten hag like he's never ever spoken ill against any player not even ronaldo and even since ronaldo's left he's not really said anything about it uh one because he there's a level of respect he has towards the players and then two if he's there bashing Maguire like it's not exactly uh boosting his price or anything he's obviously gonna say he trains really well he's a great professional and so on and I think that's kind of like recognized within the game but uh I think it's pretty clear he's gone and not only his comments like that were important regarding Maguire like Southgate's comments after the England squad was named he basically was saying him and Calvin Phillips it's going to come to a point like you're not going to be have to play and he no one will give Maguire more time than say okay but if he's running out of time with him I think he's like he said like if it's up to Maguire to make that decision I think Maguire will definitely want to leave for uh for his own like professional career but also like his personal life has obviously been affected by uh he's we kind of replaced Phil Jones like the figure of one of the club so I think like Steve said like it's best for all parties and thanks for the last few years and he has to leave yeah, yeah, he couldn't for his own sake. He couldn't stick around because, like, and also there's a Euro. The Euros is on next summer, so he has to be playing. Um, so yeah, I think it's pretty obvious he's gone. It's just a question of where does he want to. Like, I don't know who in the he's not going to join a top six team. Uh, Villa. <laughs> you got a chance. Oh, just when you said where, <laughs> he's just a choice your beggars can't be choosers. I don't. I don't think he's. I mean, I think a few clubs will come. Yeah, no, I just I, I, imagine, I don't think I there's going to be the right one. I don't know who exactly will go for. I think he he could yeah. suit top. The issue is, I think, uh, I think he's a uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's a three at the back system player. I think he's 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 an old school centre back where he's got no real mobility. He's he's just more of a um, kind of win the ball when it's in the air kind of defender. Not not great with his feet. I know he brings it out a little bit, but. Yeah, he needs two other centre backs to play with, and uh, I think Tottenham would be a decent, decent shout for him if he wants to stay with a top club. But yeah. top club in uh, in the yeah, promises. Yeah, I think uh, a Maguire Dyer centre back combination is like the stuff of Spurs fans' nightmares. Uh, yeah. It would be quite funny if somehow we we took their Harry and we gave them our Harry. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's pretty obvious he's gone. And uh, yeah. it'll be funny actually if we win the FA Cup. Will he do? He will lift the FA Cup with uh, Bruno if he if we yeah. win it. So uh, 
It could be it's a Van Hal M2 scenario, basically sacked as you lift the FA Cup. Like, yeah, that's your last act. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, Van Hall, right? A few years ago, <laughs> another another slightly good omen. The last our last FA Cup was won by a Dutch manager, so mm-hmm. we need go. all the good ones we can get at the moment. And it's on a Saturday. Should have kept uh, yeah, and we should have kept Jesse Lingard for it as well. Uh, exactly, exactly. Um, right, uh, moving on. Uh, I just wanted to highlight um Rashford's season so far. Um obviously congratulations to him. He won the uh Samat Busby's player uh of the year award as well as the players player um year of the award um yesterday evening. Um but one thing I noticed outside the club um a lot of the pundits etc and, and BBC have released their own um teams of the season and I haven't seen him um, in in any of those uh, selections, whether it be, you know, Sky, BBC, like I said, I saw one from Carragher, which is unsurprising, but also saw one from from Neville, um, and Neville picked uh, Martinelli uh, ahead of him. Um, can I, I saw a tweet which obviously I shared with you guys a bit earlier, and um, in all competitions, Rashford has got forty one goals and assists. I know, you know, I think he scored 16 Premier League goals. I think that might be one reason he's been overshadowed slightly. Um, But personally, when he was going through a purple patch earlier this season, there there wasn't too many players that were were better than him. Um, And just to put that into perspective, so as I mentioned, he's got 41 goals and assists. Um, In relation to some other top players uh, and their best, um, seasons. I mean, he's trumped, you know, players like Robin, um, Sterling, Hazard, Son. Uh, I mean, Ribery's best was 32. That's the same as Robin. Mane's was 29. Um, so, I mean, a lot of these players who, who kind of in their era were deemed as some of the best players in the world, uh, he's kind of gone above and beyond. And, and you know, we would be nowhere without him, one of the key crucial players. Um, I mean, do you think it's it's fair after all of that in reflection of his results so far versus, you know, players like Martinelli, Saka, etc.? Um, would you also leave him out of some team of the year squads, um, looking at it uh, kind of partially, or, or do you think he's been hard done by? Um, Steve, we'll, we'll start with you on that. I think it's tricky. Because I think consistency, he did have that purple patch, as you say, but earlier on in the season, maybe not so much. And then in the last 10 10 or so games, especially in all competitions, not so much. So you can kind of see the the arguments, obviously, for and against, obviously, being, being United fans thinking, you know, he scored so many goals and been so pivotal to our season. You can't ignore that. And... I think if if you're going to look at it objectively, he might be looking at like best of the rest. But yeah, I, I think the the run that he went on at the in the middle of the season can't be ignored. And as you say, he's 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 done so well, and he's he's been regarded as one of the best players in the league at the time. So 
I don't think anyone's ever mentioned Martinelli in, in terms of, oh, he's, he's, he's in the form of his life. He's one of the best players in the league. He's unplayable on his day. So, yeah, you, you would really think, in fairness, Rashford should have made that, especially considering how, how he's been the last couple of seasons as well. Um, but, yeah, I think in terms of consistency, he had a bit of a slow start to the season and he's ended the season quite slowly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. It's just like you said. I guess I, I said impartially. Well, what are your thoughts? It's just I guess out of all the teams, right? We watch uh, United the most, and just just that patch that he did have, and some of the goals he scored. I mean, Barcelona away, um, obviously the City at home. That was a massive goal, um, but also Arsenal away. That was an amazing goal when he. Oh, he yeah. ran through two or three players and, and shot from outside the box. Um, so I just felt he, he's just been slightly hard done by, you know, just feels like he hasn't had that bit of appreciation. Not to say that everyone should have selected him, but you know, I was just a bit surprised that he wasn't in any. Um, how about you, Peter? What do you think uh, about, about that situation? And, you know, do you think it's fair that Rashford's been, uh, been out of those kind of team of the year? selections uh i think it really just like steve was saying like it, it, it is in the moment like if that team i remember people were doing teams of the season like even my mates of mine were like oh like this is my team of the season so far saying like mid-february and rashford was in like everyone's and everyone was talking about like oh rashford's in the run of prepared year and so on and so on and it just does it people have like a very short-term memory obviously in football they just think like oh yeah like he's playing really well right now he's in um like I would have said around like February time, like obviously Haaland and then Saka and Rashford would be your front three. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like look out, like Kane scored 30 league goals for an awful Spurs team. So like it's kind of hard to ignore that. And it, it probably is the most goals anyone's ever scored with a top score in a top flight English like division. So um yeah, it's just hard. There's been a lot of good forward players, and then you're kind of like are you picking Saka, are you picking Rashford? Saka's been Arsenal's best attacker. Arsenal did come second and like a significant amount of points ahead of us. So it's just like I don't, yeah. It's it's unlucky in a sense, but uh, I think, yeah, like we, he has scored like all our, he scored so many winners for us. But I think it's just a matter of he just didn't. If he was in the form that he was in three or four months ago, right now he'd obviously be in everyone's team. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I don't think he particularly will care too much. Yeah, uh, he shouldn't really care because there always is a slight. There is a United anti-United bias bias amongst media. Obviously, someone like Carragher. But just in general, because most of these guys were playing in the 90s and the early 2000s, so I don't think that big a deal. I think he seemed delighted with winning the uh, the two awards himself at the club, and uh, he mentioned himself, and I actually looked it up. He said he was the first time in a... Like, he mentioned it was like a long time since an academy player had won it, and it was uh, 26 years. Beckham was the mm-hmm. last one to win it, and uh, yeah. it's only been running since 1988, so obviously you don't have like Best and Charlton and so on. But uh, it's just him, Mark Hughes, and Beckham. So it's pretty good uh, company to be in. Wow. And uh, I think he'll just be like, I've come from absolutely, like he was like rock bottom last year. And now he's recognized by the fans, by the club, by the players as like, you've been our best player. So I don't think he'll, uh, he shouldn't care too much what's my fun that's have to think of him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, credit to him. I mean, this time last year, if you were going to say to me that, you know, Rashford's going to be the best player in, in our team and we're going to sign Casemiro and he, he's still going to be the best player. Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't think I would have agreed with you based on the form he's had over the last couple of years. So, 
So, you know, again, massive congrats to him. He's really picked up his game. Um, and, yeah, uh, next thing is just to to get his uh, contract signed, I guess. Um, just a, another point whilst we're on it. I think another thing is maybe because when he did score goals, it, they were mainly in, in just ones, I think, in games. I don't really remember him, you know, scoring. He definitely hasn't scored a hat-trick. Um, but, you know, obviously how the strikers have score two threes etc and i think maybe that's why he's been slightly overlooked as well because when he, yeah, when he was that. in that patch he was just scoring the, the one-off yeah. goals you know to win those games so anyway let let's see let's see how things crack on and i mean like i said the main thing is to get that contract sign and might be a sweetener if he gets the winner on saturday um just a, a couple of other points obviously we wanted to mention um seems like this year we've been slightly hard done by in um, the kind of referee department, specifically when it comes to a few dangerous tackles. Obviously, Casemiro has picked up a, a couple of red cards. A um, bit of a surprise considering that he, he hasn't didn't have one in his Real Madrid career. Um, and against, you know, obviously, uh, Ericsson missed some time out because of an absolute disgusting challenge um, on him by Andy Carroll, um, but also Ganacho and now on the, you know, from the game on Thursday, um, I don't think it was even a foul um, given by the referee when Anthony unfortunately got subbed off and is out for a couple of months. Um, it's, a, it's a point before we started um, that Steve picked up on. Um, I mean, yeah, sh- shed a bit more light on that, Steve. I mean, what are your thoughts Um yeah, points. yeah. Well, every single one of those challenges were a scissor tackle. Um, Andy Carroll didn't get the ball. He didn't. He didn't get anywhere near the ball, and uh, he he just completely scissored under him. And that was the only one that was actually given as a foul. Um, so he, he he was unpunished. It was it was a foul. It wasn't even a yellow card. Um, he he got sent off in that game, but for two other yellow card challenges, which is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the other two, um, Garnacho, he got slid in by Kyle Walker Peters in the Southampton game at home, which we drew nil nil, um, and then followed through as a scissor cha- as a, as a scissor challenge. Um, again, unpunished, wasn't a foul. I know he got the he got the ball, but he got a hefty chunk of the man, um, as well as the other day, Trevor Chalaber going in on Anthony gets the ball. And absolutely wipes out the man. And I think with the scissor tackles, when they get the ball, their body comes through and their whole weight comes and gets the player. And a lot of the time, it's kind of trapping their foot underneath the whole weight of the player. And I think it's really dangerous. I think mm-hmm. something really needs to be to be um, sorted with those kind of tackles, um, at least being fouls, um, if not yellow cards, because they are so dangerous. Um and we've really suffered three times this season. And who knows if if those challenges, maybe not this one recently on Anthony, but if if that challenge on, on Ericsson didn't happen because of the amount of punishment it, it should really get, um, he may well have got away with uh with with playing a few more games this season. Same with Garnacho and and that really could have pushed us on, um, potentially in the severe game and, and and maybe some others to to push a little bit further on in the league. But yeah, I think that they're, they're really dangerous, uh, quite reckless, and uh, I think something really should be uh, should be done about it. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, this, I personally think you know, there should be some kind of legislation in place, similar to if you have two feet off the ground and you go into a tackle, you know, like you said, scissor tackles, they're, they're fairly dangerous and players, you know, typically they know what they're doing. Um, but even outside of that, I mean, throughout the season, there's been so many challenges from other players with their studs up, you know, even getting you know, other players on the heads, you know, all, all this kind of stuff with their, with their foot up and they've gone kind of missed completely. And you just think in the day and age of VAR, you know, how are other, other teams, other players getting away with this when, you know, I think one of Casemiro's red cards were was when he lashed out. So, I mean, there's not, not much you can do about that. The other one with the tackle... He got the ball? You know, a bit 50-50, yeah, exactly. He, he was a little bit high, but he, he got the ball. So he, Yeah, he, he tickled the guy's shin with his studs. He went down. The, the, the player went down very dramatically. <laughs> if you're looking at it in, in, in the rules right now, yeah, it's a studs-up tackle. He grazed his shin, but, you know, we've been, we've been caught a few times this season and... I think most recently in the Villa Liverpool game a couple of weeks ago, Tyrone Mings got away with a stud halfway up someone's leg, uh, mm. nowhere near the ball. Uh, Jota as well has studded someone in the face recently for, for Liverpool yeah. and got away with it. And you just think that that tackle from from Casemiro was absolutely no danger to anyone. Yeah, he caught his he caught his shin, but he's he's got straight back up the player. Um, the game carried on. The ref didn't even give a foul. So it's <laughs> it's just one of those where um, the dangerous tackles, the ones where people's full weights are, are really connecting with players, should really be the ones which are being punished, not so much like little kind of grazes and if it might look bad. But yeah, I think it's just a bit of inconsistency by refs. Yeah, it's slightly strange, slightly strange. You know, you know. Like I was saying, those decisions go against you and, and other clubs and other players, the ones you reference, you know, basically kicking players in the head and getting away with it. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that changes next season and, and we get a little bit more, um, you know, equal equality when it comes to decisions across the board. Um, Peter, as well, we were talking before we came on, obviously Leeds have been relegated, one of our rivals, um, no longer in the Premier League, and, and we won't have those derbies uh, next year. Um, is that something you're going to miss, or, or are you happy that Leeds are down? Uh, yeah, massively missed them. I think, like, bar the one, bar the away game that was in COVID, and there was no one there. Uh, those two away games at Allen Road in the last couple of years have been like, they're not, the quality isn't great, and like, but it, there is something about it being like, it feels like kind of going back in time and what football was like before it became uber commercialized so i think it is it's a great rivalry and like there is always a different feel about it it's extremely nasty and vicious and i think it just it's something that you you missed when it was away and it was good to have it back and uh now the only game we have with leeds coming up is a pre-season friendly in oslo so <laughs> that will boot off but uh now i was sad to see them go in a sense of the rivalry and they, they are a big club like they're part of the premier league i didn't want everton to go down either I just think like it makes the league better when you have these clubs in. And then uh just from an Irish point of view, like it sounds like I'm uh being a semi Leeds fan. It's just from growing up, they always had a lot of Irish players and uh a few mates who support them. So I feel bad for them in a sense, but uh they definitely deserve to go down. They were awful. And uh it's quite funny actually. I you know we just mentioned Southampton there around the Carnacho challenge. 
Like we only we didn't win four league games at home this season. Obviously, we lost to Brighton and we had three draws. Newcastle, fair enough. And then we drew with Southampton and Leeds. <laughs> they finished the bottom two in the league, uh, which is quite weird looking back. Um, it was actually at the Leeds game, but uh, yeah, they're uh, a nasty team with nasty fans, but they'll be missed. And uh, hope it's not 16 years before they come back. But like this, their squad is so poor and they spend so badly that you it wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they had a, a few years down in the championship. No, very, uh, very, <laughs> you know. The fan base, I think, is most probably split on uh, on Leeds, right? So rather, um, rather beat them than uh, never play them. That's kind of the, yeah, yeah, the exactly. I guess that's one way of looking at it. But I think, um, but yeah, it's uh, like you said, always good to have rivalries. Always good to have rivalries, and and another thing that they have is uh, an old school football ground, right? There's there's only only a few of them left, so it's always good to turn up and have those kind of away days. I saw a great picture um, of Luke Ailing crying, and I was so <laughs> happy seeing that. Just plainly because in the Leeds game away, he spent the whole game trying to absolutely snap Garnacho. All he yeah. did was just, was just yeah. try and go through him, and, and it, was, yeah. it, it was so good to see him just crying his little eyes out. I just loved it. Yeah, the, uh, the the point the point you made there, Harry, about the old school ground. Well, it's getting replaced by the oldest of them all. What that? It's obviously going around social media a lot. But Kenilworth Road will be a Luton's ground. Will be oh yeah, It'll just be, like you th- you thought that Bournemouth's ground was a uh, ten and a half thousand, not kind it? of fit for purpose for Premier League. Uh, yeah, it'll be when you know to go to Luton. It'll be an interesting one. I like, yeah. would not want to be. I really wouldn't want to live in one of the houses beside that. Uh, yeah, way entrance because it just... I was just gonna say, I'm sure everyone's seen the video, right? Of the stairwell that goes above like <laughs> everyone's back gardens in this street, it's uh, it's pretty hilarious. Um, I mean, saying that though, back in the day, my the first ever game I went to was at Highbury, and um, I don't know if you guys ever went down there, but they had it wasn't as I don't want to say as bad, but it was pretty similar. They used to have on one on one end of the ground they used to have a row of terrace houses and in the middle they literally just bought one of them converted it into a turnstile and it said welcome to Arsenal Football Club there used to be a turnstile yeah. literally going through someone's house which um you know it's because it was so tightly packed around there so um so yeah uh, I do prefer yeah, definitely be an interesting and away ground yeah. to go to next season um so yeah, what, one last point I just wanted to, to finish on. You know, some uh, interesting news came out today with uh, Edwin van der Sar uh, leaving Ajax, um, obviously with a potential takeover happening with us. Um, there may be a position for him at the club. Um, do you think it's uh, just, you know, just by coincidence? Um, or do you think maybe there might be something more substantial to it and, the, and a potential move to Old Trafford. Um, what do you think, Steve? Um, I don't know. I think it's probably just a bit of a coincidence. Um, Ajax have had a pretty bad season, I think. They're, they're not going to be in the Champions League next season. So I think um, if the powers that be at Ajax think that they need some new direction, then um, <laughs> fair enough. Um, yeah, it, it comes at a bit of a time of uncertainty for, for United, um, who might be taken over um, and then put in people in place. Obviously, 
Van der Sar's worked with uh, with Ten Hag before um, to quite a bit of success. So you know, who, who knows? Yeah. How about yourself, Peter? Welcome, um, Van der Sar, to Old Trafford. I'd, if yeah, if we get if we, if that happened, it'd be absolutely fantastic. And like Steve mentioned, like the working relationship with Ten Hag, but it is kind of an easy like maybe it's just all coincidence. It's very hard to know with the takeovers and everything that's going on. Uh, what to, like what like what should you actually read into? I think he said it and he wanted a break. So uh it's just hard to know. But uh it obviously if we got him back it would be the dream. I know that the Qataris were linked saying that they'd bring back some ex players into roles. He's literally the only one that you'd want anywhere near running anything to do with the football club. So uh I don't want Qatar but I'd like Van der Sar under different others. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, I guess uh, that um, nicely reaches us to an hour. Um, and that's this week's podcast done. Um, join us again next week, back on a Monday, as we usually are. Um, and I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about off the uh, FA Cup final. Hopefully, um, we could, uh, you know, we'll all be here jubilating. Um, but let's see. So, uh it's a goodbye from me this week and uh, look forward to catching up with everyone next week. Take care. See ya. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.